Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Man, it's been a good morning already. Um, man, I would think if we as people of God could tap into all of the things that God wants to do uh, in and through us, man, it would mind boggle us. That God wants to use us as a conduit to accomplish his purposes and his plans. And, you know, in, in moments of worship or unexpectation, you know, God just shows up and, and reveals and changes and, and just impacts our life. And um, this morning, we, we're going to continue to look at Proverbs 3 and 4. We've been talking about family matters because the family really, really matters to God. We know that godly Christian families are going to create godly Christian churches. And if our churches are succeeding, it's because our families are succeeding. You know, it, st- it starts with, the, you know, we talked about, you know, the model that God has is a husband and a wife pursuing God together uh, in marriage. One man, one woman in God's model. Um, and then in that, we mold our children and we raise children and the goal is to lead them in a way that honors God for a lifetime. And how many of you know sometimes the, uh, the, the, the teenage adolescent years are some of the most challenging because we know everything we've learned, everything we've been instructed has either stuck or we lost it, right? We've either done really well or we've, we've, we've had a lot of challenges, but it is in those moments of growing and maturing to where we really see what was invested but I believe as, we, as our children grow into teenagers and as young adults and they venture getting married, that along the way they continually need that support. They continually need encouraging and guiding in the way of righteousness. And then I believe we get in the, in the family cycle, we get to this place of even multiplication. And, uh, you know, even just this morning looking at the, at the, the width of the family unit represented here. But God, that's how God multiplies. That's how he impacts. That's how he changes the world is through generation after generation of people serving the Lord. Family is God's idea. It was God's plan. It's what he wanted. So um, last week we started talking about a mold. So the mold is the ability to influence the formation or development of And I know that it's twofold, right? First and foremost, I am being molded and shaped, but at the same time, uh, how many fathers do we have in the house? You raise your hand, big, bold, and proud. All of you fathers in the house, you are also called by God to lead your families in a way that leads them into God. Don't wait for your wife. Don't wait for your spouse. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. God has marked you with that position to lead your family and to lead your family well. Statistically, if the husband follows the Lord, the family follows the Lord. It's that strong enough of a statistic, right? When they decide to follow, the family follows, all right? So we know that we're molding our children. We're also molding ourselves. Last week, we looked at Proverbs 1 and 2. Today, we're going to look at Proverbs 3 and 4. The best way to explain what Proverbs 1 and 2 did, it told us what not to do. Um, How many of you were challenged with Proverbs 1 and 2? Definitely is not the easiest chapters to cover from the pulpit, but at the same time, we allow God's truths of his word to instruct, to correct, to reprimand, whatever it needs to do, we yield to it. 
You know, I, I told the joke. I said, if the brick hits you in the face, do something with it. If it didn't hit you, don't worry about it. Right? But I think there's often times where the Word of God will graze us or it'll, it'll cause us to, to highlight a certain area in our life that God wants to deal with or change. So Proverbs uh, 3 and 4, I believe this gives us instruction of what to do. So Proverbs 1 and 2 kind of instructed us what not to do, but Proverbs 3 and 4, it gave us instructions on what to do. How many of you know it's super important not just to not know what to do or not to be that we know what to do and we know what not to do? How many of you know as parents, sometimes we say, no, don't do that. And that's the end of the conversation. There's no redirect, right? I think the redirect of saying, no, don't do this, but on the other side of the coin, do this, really helps us be successful as people, right? Because it gives me the rules, what not to do, but what also to do. So let's jump right into this context or the context of this passage, Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. So guidance for life in verse 1 Chapter 3, it says, My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Now, this love, it's talking about kindness. It's talking about mercy. It's talking about loyalty, this deep, rich uh, definition of love. And faithfulness, that is standing firm. That is being steadfast. It says, and faithfulness, let it never leave you. It says, bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Put them always before you. Now, in the Bible days, there were these, there were these things called the, the teflon, which it's the, uh, is what it is. They were these things that they wore to remind them when they said, bind them around your arm, tie them around your head. This is what the representation of what it looked like. They wore them all the time. Now inside the little box, there was the four commands that said to practice this when they, they wore, but the whole point was not to walk around and say, Hey, look what I'm doing or look what I'm not doing. It was to bring to remembrance what God had been instructed If the whole point of what you're doing is so that you're looking right before people, you're missing the whole perspective of what God wants to do in your heart. Because outwardly, we can look like we're doing the right things, but the Bible says that our hearts can be hard and callous towards the things of God where our our actions look right, but our heart is far away from God. So let this not be the case, but this morning as we look through these passages, let's think about it. Let's pay attention to what God wants us to see. Uh, it's like sticky notes for life. How many of you are a sticky note person? You write them, you put them, remind, and you got like too many, like you've kind of ruined the point of sticky notes because you got too many sticky notes. It's supposed to highlight one thing, but that we would focus our attention on the things that matter most. I love when I can get a sticky note and I'm actually done with it and I crinkle it up and throw it away. It's like I feel like I'm succeeding in life, right? But it's focusing on a few things, the most critical things. And as we venture through this passage, I just encourage you, if God illuminates something to you of utmost importance, he says, son, daughter, this is for you. That you would write those things down, that you would remember those those things. Because you got to remember, just like God wants you to hear the word and plant the word and allow that, that word to come through, to, to come to fruition in your life, the enemy wants to rob that word from you. How do I know this is true? How many of you have ever heard a sermon or somebody preach and you're like, man, that's really good. And then the next breath, there's something in you that says, ah, but you don't need that. It robs the seed that God is wanting to plant in your heart. So make sure that we shoo away the birds. We we make sure that it is planted in good soil this morning, that the word that God is speaking would get deep down in our heart. And we would ask that it would birth forth to life in us. 
So it says, do not forget, pay attention to, listen to me. Uh, You know, when I look at this passage, don't forget, listen, pay attention. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? And I think God gets frustrated with us sometimes. So when we look through this, he says, remember, focus on wisdom. You know, it even feels crazier now that we're preaching, like doing two services. Like, so we're getting double whammy. So it's like, forget not wisdom, pay attention to this. And it's like over and over and over. But even the text here, that's how it's communicating. Get this, son and daughter. Listen to what I'm saying. Come to your senses. Don't just listen to it, but do what it says. Because we know that the word works when word is practiced. Not when words are just heard. Because words left external don't produce an internal work. But it's the words that get deep down inside in a soft heart that God can cause to come to life. All right? Verse 4. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now... It's important not just to be good before God, but to be good before man. Uh, how, how many of you, don't tell me who this is, but how many of you know of a family or a family name that has really messed up their name? Think about it, you're like, ooh, this family right here. Now, let me tell you what. It is harder to fix a broken family name rather than keeping a family name secure. But if we're going to live in this life and we're going to be influential and we're going to encourage others and we're going to love others and we are not going to jeopardize the testimony of Jesus, our name matters. Right? I remember growing up in a youth group, I used to get super mad when kids would do dumb stuff because everybody knew those kids went to our youth group. And I was like, before you do something dumb, remember, you reflect me and I reflect you. There was power in that youth group name. And I w- now, maybe I was overly concerned about what people think. But nonetheless, we wanted to model a name and have a name that meant something. So favor bef- before men gives you that voice. It gives you that influence. It gives you that relationship and that proximity to impact lives. That's why having a good name and having favor between God and having favor with men really, really matters. Having a good name is important and favor with men is also important. Verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean. It, It means depend not on your own understanding. So don't just base it on what you think. I hear this all the time, all the time, that uh, people will say, well, I just think that sometimes it's not what we think. But it's what God has said that is of utmost importance. It says, in all of your ways, submit. So that means acknowledge him. So submitting is not just doing what he says, but knowing that what he says is true and right and good. That's what it means to acknowledge him. And then it says, he will make your path straight. So this Hebrew word here, trust, it means to lie down, to put your entire weight. Mike, can you grab me that chair real quick, bud? So when we talk about putting our trust in or, 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 or putting our weight into something. So you guys have maybe heard this illustration, but this is the, most, the best way. When we are trusting in God, we can say all day long that this chair looks like it will hold me. This chair looks secure. It looks good. It looks like it's for sitting. Where does faith applied really in Jesus come into play? When I really sit in it. Now, I'm not as small as I used to be. When I was young, I didn't worry about the weight buckling, whatever I'm sitting on, right? 
So what does it require? It requires more faith. How many of you know when we were young, follow me on this, maybe we were new in our faith, and it was easy to trust the things of God and trust that God would do what he said he was going to do, where we willfully just said, Lord, I trust you, and we sat down quickly. But now we're at this place of where we think we know it all. It says, lean not on your own understanding. Say, well, Lord, uh, I don't really need to sit there because I got it all figured out. I can do it my way. My way is better than your way. How arrogant and stupid is that? That we would think our ways are higher than his ways and we know better. But I think as we get older, we think a lot more and we just don't apply quick faith. You know, I remember one time my daughter, uh, or was it Samuel? One of them was on the top of my father-in-law's roof. This is what I'm talking about, unwavering faith in Father God. I was on the bottom. It wasn't real, real high, but I said, hey, jump to me. Before the sentence was over, I got flying squirrel coming at me. Thank God I caught the child. But there was unwavering trust and faith that God would do what he said he would do. How many of you know us as more mature? We justify everything. Well, why do I need to jump? You sure it's safe? And we justify everything. There is something about not acknowledging your ways, but submitting to his ways and just doing what he says do. But what is the instruction? It says, with all your heart. That means entirely, without exception, trust in me completely. I can sustain you. Your own understanding will not support you. Only my word will support and sustain you. That's what he's saying in that passage. He makes our path straight when we acknowledge him, when we pay attention to him. How many of you uh, ask God what to do often? Hope so. How many of you are only seeking God when it's something that's important or you messed it up? I see that a lot. Most spiritual people are really, really spiritual when they've made a mess of things. Oh, Lord. And Lord, I think God just sits there and he goes like this sometimes. He just looks down at us. He's like, I was here. You could have asked me at any time. Now, thank God he comes up and he cleans up our mess. But I would encourage you that what we need to do before every step, as we move forward, before every step, I need to look up. Look at Father God. Say, Lord, is this your way? And then when he says yes, then walk therefore in it. If he says, no, son, daughter, run. This is not the path I have before you. Turn around and run the other way. We should never be caught in the trap of the enemy because that's what wisdom does. All right? So we look up. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. It says, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So we, we look at, we, we don't, don't be so confident in yourself. Be confident in who the Lord is. The fear of the Lord, we talked about the fear of the Lord. It is this reverence, holiness for who God is. It's being mindful and remembering the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And if he wanted to, he could just bloop, flick you and end your life. The God that spoke into existence the heavens and the earth and the water and the fish is the same God we serve. There has to be some holy, reverent fear of who God is. When do we think that we're the big man on the pole here? Like when we are the most important one. But we know that what did the passage say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
I think there does need to be a little bit of holy fear in us. All right, and it says shun. That means to turn away, turn completely opposite, go the other direction, and this will bring health to your body and refreshment to the bones. It will, it will change your phys- It has physical rewards. It has internal rewards. And it says avoid evil and fear God. All right? Proverbs 3, 9 through 12, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then all your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will, be, will brim over with new wine. Now, notice this passage. This is not like for the church, like to where we're saying, hey, give your tithes. Notice this says, your wealth, your crops, your barns, your vats. This is for you. This isn't for like, will the church benefit? Probably. Prosperous people, prosperous church. Godly people, godly church. It has a direct overflow. But this is for you. It says that you should give of all of your wealth, your riches, your possessions, the first fruits. Do you know what the first fruits imply? The best parts. Don't give God the leftovers. How quick should you give to God? Soon as you get it. Right? I try to get that money out of there. I'll tell you what, I hate paying a tithe late. When I think I got all the money in the bank, hey, baby, you paid the tithe? Uh, no. What do you mean, no? And then I like, chink, and it's gone. I like getting it out of there because I believe when we get it out, we give God what his, it commands a blessing on the rest. It says, of all of your crops. It says, then, no, that's a conditional word. Then your barns will be full to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So what you do uh, directly affects your increase or the lack thereof. It blesses and empowers the church, but it is geared towards affecting you personally. Uh, How many of you love discipline? Yay. Whatever, dude. You're not normal if you love discipline. (laughs) But this next passage, what does it say? Verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. What does that mean? That means to refuse or reject the Lord's discipline. Discipline uh, is what helps you mold character. It enforces the correct behavior. It's instruction, chastisement, or warning. And it says, and do not resent his rebuke. So resent means a feeling of disgust or dread towards um, his rebuke. So that word rebuke there is, is a word spoken from his lips or passage of scripture of reproof or argument. Some of you in this room like to argue with God. Well, Lord, I think... How many of you have seen the video walking around? Listen, Linda. The little boy's instructing to the door. Listen, Linda. Linda ain't going to listen to you. Just like God, you're sitting there pointing your finger like you're in control of this conversation. You need to just submit to what God is doing and understand that his discipline is right for what you need. I never said, oh, wow, this discipline is great. I love this. But discipline happens because God wants to change or do something in me. And it says it doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but it gets the results that God wants it to get because he loves us. All right? What does it say? It says, do not reject it. Do not resent it. Verse 12, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, uh, the son he delights in. So a father is going to discipline you if he loves you. Discipline is a good thing. You say, well, the Lord, me, me and the Lord are good. He's never disciplined me. Are you truly a son and a daughter? Because if you are sons and daughters, your father is responsible for you. Good, bad, and ugly, right? My children are my responsibility. But the father will take personal responsibility for their children's actions. This is why discipline is necessary. Now I'm going to give you a fatherly freebie verse this morning. You ready? How many kids I got in here? I might not like this verse, but 
I'm going to give it to you, all right? Proverbs 22:15 in the New American Standard, it says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. Where does that mean it's bound up in? On the inside, right? The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. All right. Now, I know I can split and divide. Some, some are spankers. Some are convincers, right? Well, I'm just going to talk to my kid. I'm going to instruct them what they need to do. And, you know, I don't believe in, in spanking. Hey, the Bible is pro-spank. Just saying. I looked up the word rod. I looked up the word rod. I was like, okay, like rod, like is that nudging? What does it mean? The word rod here means to strike, to beat, or to sweep away. So the moment you say, well, that's not what he was talking about. No, that's exactly what he was talking about in this passage. But there is something in the catalyst of pain that produces change. I've never changed when I'm comfortable. But my mom was just like, man, 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 just, just kind of, my mom's in here, sorry. She thinks, is she somewhere? Okay, I don't know where she's at. Like, there was something about words that just really, I didn't care that much. Man, when I got spanked. Man, it hurt. It irritated me. And when I was young, I think it got the results it needed to get. I got a spanking's a lot. I'm just telling you. I was one of those kids that I would get a spanking and um, they would say, I'm going to give you a spanking for now and I'm going to give you another one for what you're going to do later. So, uh, but I believe like it led me to that place of, I at least knew what was right and was, was wrong. Now there was a season where I would still do what was wrong, even though I was getting a spanking because somewhere in my mind, I justified that the pain was worth doing what I wanted. Now tell me that that's not a wicked heart that is not turning to righteousness and what God expects because I still want to do what I want to do when at the time God is applying the pressure of the rod of correction because he loves me and cares for me. But I'll tell you what, when you're uncomfortable, you're going to move. Anybody ever stepped in a pile of fire ants? You just stayed there? I said, let's see how long I can last. I remember as kids trying to do that. Stick your foot in there and see who can last the longest. <laughs> most parents and most people that have the right sense know to get your foot out of the fire ant pile, right? Understand? Yeah? That's kind of what it does. It causes us to move. It causes us to change. It doesn't allow us to stay where we're at. But that discipline of the Lord is because God loves us. He cares about us. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Let's keep moving because we've got a lot of passage to cover. It says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better um, re returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is more important than anything you should desire. If you have wisdom, you're going to be okay. Verse 16, it says, Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are paths of peace. Uh, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So why would anyone not want wisdom? We should all desire and love wisdom. So here's what it says. It's more profitable than silver. It yields better returns than gold. It's more precious than rubies. Nothing can compare. Wisdom offers long life, riches and honor, pleasant ways, peaceful paths. Wisdom is a tree of life and you will be blessed. This is the road of wisdom. Let's keep going. Proverbs 3, 19 through 20. We have to understand that true wisdom is found in and through knowing God. Verse 19, by his perfect wisdom... 
So by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drops the dew. So we have to understand it was his perfect wisdom and his perfect understanding and his perfect knowledge that did all these things. So all wisdom, all understanding, all knowledge, this is who God is. And we know that God, by the Spirit, was the author of this book. So he instructed what we need to do, but who he is. Wisdom is found in knowing God. Proverbs 3, 21 through 26. So this is continually some more fatherly instruction. It says, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Sounds like the same thing, right? It says, persevere sound judgment and discretion. They will be life to you, an ornament of grace, an ornament to grace your neck. So wisdom, understanding, sound judgment, discretion, these will establish the way before you. Then you will go on your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, how many of you feel like you got good, sweet sleep all the time? Man, none of y'all raise your hands, so none of y'all sleeping good. So how many of you don't sleep well? You feel like, I don't have sweet sleep. I don't rest in, in sleep you know, uh, now I know that it's important that when we trust God in every facet of our life, we can sleep in peace. Now, I remember a, a while back, and I'll be a little transparent with you, one night, you know, the, the Bible talks about do not go to sleep in anger. When you have fought with your spouse, that is not the time to go to sleep. I was really frustrated. I don't even remember what I was frustrated about. That's the dumb thing about all of it. I don't ever remember what I'm mad about, but I remember being mad. So let me, give, let me let you in in this picture. So I'm laying in bed. Becky's over here, and I'm mad at the world, right? And I'm sitting there, and God ain't letting me go to sleep because he wants me to deal with it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to see if she's asleep yet in the middle of the dark. Are you sleeping? She's like, and super full of grace and patience and kindness. No. What do you mean? Like, I'm, ready, I'm ready to fight. Like, I'm so mad. I'm so mad at that point, and it's irritating. But I know, I'm smart enough to know that if I go to sleep mad when I wake up in the morning, guess what I'm going to be? Madder, that's the right word, right? right, that ain't the right word, but I'm going to be madder than I am the next day than I was the day before, and it's not going to fix it. So I had to get to the place where I had to swallow my pride and just say, man, I'm sorry. And at that point, it was so bad, I don't even know what I was apologizing for. You ever done that, man? I don't know what I did wrong, but for anything I've done or going to do or will do, can you please forgive me? Because I got so mad at just being mad that I was just mad, Right? But it's important to live at peace, to, to be right before God, to allow just the peace of God to, to cover you. If there's something not right, get it right before you go to bed. If there's sin in your life, confess it to the Lord. You know, I've always had this worry, like, man, what if I go to sleep and don't wake up? And I didn't have a chance to repent for whatever I did. You know, that's what I'm talking about, like the unpeaceful sleep. But, you know, I remember from a young age, I always used to pray, dear Lord, I pray you keep me safe. I pray you put guardian angels around my home. I pray you put angels arm length. Let them be 20 foot. If anyone tries to cause me harm, I pray you reveal those angels to me. Help me have a good night's sleep in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Like a rock, baby. Never. peace. I've always had peaceful sleep. Unless something is wrong. Unless something is not right. So the Bible says, this is the way. 
in wisdom, in right standing. When you're living the right life, this is the way, man, that you will have safety, security, no fear, and sweet sleep. If you can't mark off this list, you got to look at why not. Why is this not happening? But this is what God does. He says, you'll have no fear of sudden disasters, verse 25, or ruin that will overtake take you. For the Lord will be at your side and he will keep your foot from being snared. Safety goes with you. Let's, let's go to Proverbs 3, 27 31. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give you what you already have if you already have it with you. If you can help your neighbor now, help them. Mark 12, 31, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. Why would we not help our neighbor and, and willingly give if we have it in our ability to help and give, right? So it's just communicating to do that. Verse 29, do not plot, don't devise a plan for harm against your neighbor who lives tr- trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done nothing to harm you, right? All right. Would continue on story. It says, do not envy uh, the violent or choose any of their ways. So envy means do not be jealous over the wicked or the violent, choosing uh, um, violent or those who choose this way. When you see an evil person prosper, don't envy what they do and practice what they do. Right? Sometimes people, well, they get to do that and look what they get. In the end, it is going to lead to their own destruction. It is the wayward, simple-minded path like we were talking about. So do not uh, plot that harm towards your neighbor. Do not envy. It says, for the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. So what is this saying? So the crooked, the wicked people, those who have turned away from God, that's the people that God detests. But the righteous, it says that they are into his confidence. Share, God shares intimate conversation the secret things towards him in the king james it says god shares the secrets of his heart with the upright he shares the secret things of their heart and that's the kind of relationship that we want to have with him proverbs 3 32 to 35 kind of just as a final reminder it says the lord's curse is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the home of the righteous there are blessings there are curses There are people that are righteous, and there are people that are wicked. Why would a God curse you? Because you're wicked. (laughs) Why would God bless you? Because you're righteous. Got it? Apples are going to get apples. Oranges are going to get oranges. It's that simple. It's better to be righteous than it is to be wicked. Got it? It says that he mocks, the, but, the, but he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. It says, the wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Right? So it says that um, he gives grace to the humble. I would rather be humble than mess up a lot than arrogantly plowing ahead, resting in my own confidence. All right. Let's get through Proverbs 4. I'll move, move quick on this one. All right. Proverbs 4, 1 through 9. So continue a father's example. It says, listen, my son, to, my, to a father's instruction. Pay attention, attention to gain understanding. I looked up that word fathers. That is in reference to fathers, grandfathers, and family members, ancestors, those that are connected to your family. It says, pay attention to those instructions. Learn, learn from what they're doing. It says, verse 2, I give you sound learning, my teaching, 
For I too was, was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he, implying his father, taught me. And he said to me, take hold of my words, hold on to them with all of your heart, keep my commands, and you will live. So what was he saying? He said, take hold, hold on to, keep my commands, do what I say, grab a hold of those things with all of your life, and hold to my words, and you will live. How many of you have ever reflected back on what your mama or your daddy said? You just didn't want to let them know you reflected back on what they had said. Because you came to a place where you realized your mother or your father was right. Now, I know as, as, a, as a father to my children, there are going to be moments that I miss it. And I don't do the right thing. But God is perfect in his instruction. He is perfect in his discipline. And he is perfect in his commands. He does not mess up. So we can trust that what he will lead us in will always be right. So grab a hold of those things, hold to those things, do what, do what he says, and you will live. Um, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you with her love, and she will watch over you. Uh, verse 7, it says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I was like, wow, some real big revelation there. You know, how do you get, how do you get, what's the beginning of wisdom? Get wisdom. It's like, that doesn't help me, Lord. I need a little bit more. But, you know, that's the point. Get wisdom is the key. That's the focus. That's the point. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So get wisdom at understanding at all costs. We get wisdom and understanding from what? Reading and applying God's word. So we do what it says. We learn from it. We meditate on it. And then we let it transform us. So what does it say? Do what it says. Learn from it. Meditate on it. Let the word itself transform and guide you. Right? It's going to produce the results it was intended to produce. Verse 8 and 9, it talks about Lady Wisdom. We talked about that last week. But Lady Wisdom speaking here says, Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace, um, give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Proverbs 4, 10 through 19. This really gives us two different contrasts, a way to, things, a one, one way to do things and a way not to do things. But it says, Listen, my son, accept my words. Accept what I say, and the years of your life may be multiplied. Okay, so let's pause here just for a moment. Have we, have we heard yet, and do we understand that if we are obedient, it will extend our years on the earth? Like I'm kind of like, did I just read this chapter? Did I just read this verse? Did I just read this? Proverbs has a good way of being very, very redundant. Because it wants to make sure that you are without excuse. But why'd that guy die early? I guess he didn't heed the word of the Lord. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, he wants us to pay attention. It ensures long life when we're obedient to the instruction of our fathers. Um, so accept what I say that you'll have long life, many years on the earth. Um, kiddos in the room, Ephesians 6, 1 through 2 sounds exactly like that, doesn't it? It says, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that... It may go well with you that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Very similar. Be obedient to your father. Be obedient to your mother. Be obedient to the words because it will produce long life. So what should we do? Verse 11. 
I instruct you in the way of wisdom, and I will lead you along the straight path. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. It won't be hindered. It won't be held back. When you run, you will not stumble. Our life should be full of seasons of running and full of seasons of walking. But regardless of the season we're in, that God can ensure the path before us where we won't fall, we won't falter, and we won't fail. Verse 13, hold to instructions, do not let go, guard it well, for it is life. Do not let go, it is your life. Hold on to these things, do not let go, grab a hold of it. You got that cliffhanger picture? It's, it says, take hold of my words with all of your heart, keep my commands, and you will live. How many of you have ever watched those or you've watched a rock climber, man? They are just gritting in by fingertips, ruthless in holding on, unwavering and unrelenting in letting loose. That's what holding to really looks like. Hold on to it like your life depended on it because it really does. So this is what you should do or you should not do. I'm sorry. <laughs> do not set foot on the path of the wicked. Versus verse 14. Or walk in the way of evildoers. Verse 15, avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it, and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. Verse 17, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Their life is filled by wickedness and violence. Verse 18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever bright till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So the righteous, you'll be able to see clearly what it is before you. You'll be able to see what's going on. But the wicked don't even understand why they're stumbling. How many of you have ever bought a new piece of furniture that you put in a spot that it didn't used to be and you've tried to walk that path at night? You've run into, how many of you know where your furniture is and you're still running into it, Right? There's something about the light exposing that which is around us where we can change our path. If your path is illuminated and the children left the death trap toy in the middle of the floor that you know if you step on it will cause excruciating pain. But if the lights are on and you see the trap and you step on the trap, shame on you. But it's different when we have the light on and we have the light off. Those who have the illumination, how many of you know it would be foolish to step on it? Right? But to those who are in darkness, can't even see. They don't even know why they're tripping or why they're falling. Proverbs 4, 20-27. Keep the straight path. This is my favorite part of this whole chapter. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. It says, Pay attention. Listen. Read them. Keep them on the inside. To, to, they are the words of life. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. These words keep you healthy and whole. Verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your heart in all vigilance and diligence. It says the issues of life flow from the heart. We look at another translation that all the issues of life flow out of the heart. So, Pastor, what do I guard? How do I guard my heart? Man, I'm so glad you asked because the Scripture gives us guidance. Verse 24, it says, keep your mouth from perversity. Keep corrupt, corrupt talk from your lips. So what does that mean? Watch your mouth. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. So watch your eyes. What are you focusing on? What are you looking at? 
Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So think about what you're thinking about. Watch your mind. Verse 27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. Watch where you go. Pay attention to the path that is before you. So what do we do? We watch our mouth. We watch our eyes. We watch our mind. And we watch where we go. That's how we guard our heart. We guard what's around us. We have that slide that breaks those down. Might be a little bit easier if we see that. Your mouth, what you say. We know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You squeeze a lemon, whatever's on the inside is going to come out. (laughs) You ever hit your thumb on something? That's the only time something ugly is going to come out of me. When it's squeezed to the point. But what comes out? Right? Think about it. Whenever it's squeezed, the pressures of life, whatever comes out. How many of you had some ugly come out? Right? And that always concerns me, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But also your path can lead to thing, saying things you shouldn't be saying. Because how many know when you're around the wrong people, you're in the wrong location, you hear things you shouldn't be hearing? You start talking like people that you shouldn't be talking like. And then it came out of your mouth and it really wasn't in your heart but initially, but now it's become a part of you. And it's contaminated your heart. Now you got all these issues. You're cussing when you don't mean to be cussing. You don't know why you're cussing, but you're cussing because you're around people. The things that they're talking about, the negative thoughts that they have, the things they're discussing, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be listening to any of that. It's contaminating the heart. So we have to pay attention to what we say because if we're saying bad things, we need to say, Lord Jesus, why did that come out? Right? <laughs> I remember one time, just to be honest with you, I cussed one time that I can remember my mom like brutally was like, well, you cussed once. You must cuss all the time. And I was like, I really don't. Like, I was like, in all sincerity, like, I didn't go around cussing all the time. But I was around it all the time. I said, it just slipped out. You ever said that? It just, it don't just slip out. I was like, I think it does. And my mom's welling on me, the rod of discipline and correction. Like, you know, it's all. But there was something on the inside that came out because of my proximity. Played football, was in sports. Oh, man, you're hearing all kinds of stuff you shouldn't be hearing. It will affect who you are. But you'll only realize it when it comes out. You'll only realize it when your mind is thinking about things it shouldn't be thinking about. But we can control our path. That's one of the easiest ones, who we're hanging out with, where we're around, who we're being influenced by. What we see, um, learned a hard lesson. It's watching a... I love Marvel movies, and I'm right at that age where I don't know if Samuel should get to watch them or not, but I'm kind of like, well, they're good movies, but they almost always have a cuss word in it, straight up, every single time. It's like, I wish they wouldn't have that in there. So I was watching that movie. I don't remember which one it was, but there was a cuss word, and I always love it when my kids see a, hear a cuss word because their eyes get about that big. Like, they know it's wrong, but this was, the resp- this was what got a hold of my heart. I said, my son said, Dad, it's okay. I hear all those words at school. I've heard them all. And then God convicted me because I learned a hard lesson. Because God said, you know, I told him, I said, son, I said, no, but I'm sorry because I can't control what you hear there, but I can control what you hear in my home. Because I can protect and guard that. Men of God, you are called to be a defender of your home, to guard it. If you tolerate and you allow it, shame on you, it's your fault. Strive to fight for your family. Guard your kids. Guard your own life. This is the way of wisdom and godly counsel. 
going to close with what simple-minded means. I know some of you guys weren't here last week. But the word simple-minded, it means one that has just an open door that will allow good or bad in without any discretion. Let us not be simple-minded, but let's use wisdom and close the door to the things that God does not want us to have anything to do with. Amen? Can you guys stand up with me? We're going to get out of here. Um, believing that God will continually stir a hunger in you, that the things that you've been praying and asking God for, that they would be released to you. I've been talking to a lot of friends and man, this last week and a half, God has just been doing amazing things in my life, but I have no clue what he's doing. You know, uh, if y'all remember, some of the younger ones might not even know this, but you remember when we used to reformat the hard drives or we would, you would defragment? Remember that? Defrag the, defragment the hard drive. What that does, it readjusts everything to make it work a little bit better, but you don't really know what the heck it's doing. It just takes a long time for it to happen. I think that's what God does sometimes. We have to know that he's working in all of these areas in our life. But at the end of this process of whatever God's doing in and through us, at the end of it, we can trust that it's going to be better than when it started. So there just has to be this yielding to say, Lord, anything you need to change or readjust or, or maybe you need to even clear out the trash. Whatever it is, Lord, I just surrender to you. That's what wisdom leads us to. The path of righteousness the path of holiness, and doing what God asks us to do. Amen. Let me pray over you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. Lord, I know there was a lot of things said today and a lot of words spoken. And Father, I pray whatever you're speaking to us individually that we would get that. Lord, I, don't want, I hope I pray to God we didn't miss all of it. <laughs> but Father, that there would be a few key things that we could incline our ear towards. A few key things that you would speak to us personally. And then we would work on changing. Father, I pray that you would make us more like you and less like the world, that we would stand out. And that if they see something good in us, Lord, let us be sure to give you all the credit. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I pray that you would just continually stir a passion for your presence like never before. I pray that the church would be all that you've called her to be. And we count it an honor and a privilege to be a part of it. Now as our people go, I pray you go with them, that you'd bless them, that you'd strengthen them. Father, that you would be the lifter of their heads, that you would encourage their spirit, that you would, they would know that you are a God that loves them and cares for them. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.